0: Here's the set piece, and that finds the back of the net on the rebound. Perea, 94th minute, Orlando City might just get the three points that they need to punch their ticket in the playoffs. Are we checking it for who actually gets the goal, Pato or Perea? Are we looking for offside? What exactly is
1: Alan Chapman is looking for here?
2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. For today, I'm going to spend another hour and a half complaining. Yeah, doesn't that sound fun? This is—we're uh, recording this one day after the infamous decision from head referee Alan Chapman, and uh, we're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about the Orlando Pride season being over. We're going to talk about some news that's happening in the rest of MLS and NWSL. And, of course, we're going to do our Weird News and Red Cards. First off, uh, hey, I'm back. It's been a couple weeks, almost a month since I was on a show. I think the last time was October 5th uh, was the last time I actually did a show with you guys because I've been calling games for NWSL and USL League One and championships. So uh, that season's now over. They're heading into the playoffs. So here I am, back with you guys. And um, I guess thankfully or... Unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch any of the games live because of what's what I've been doing. Like I, I saw the, I think the Pride game on Friday, the last game of the season was the last like, the last game that I was able to go to. Uh, but everything before that, I was out of town, calling games. So, good thing, bad thing, I don't know. It's for the best. And probably. then yesterday, I missed out on the the entertaining thing that happened at Exploria Stadium. I, I guess it would be entertaining. Um, it got a lot of people talking, that's for sure. Yeah. But hey, let's let's talk about it. First off, welcome in everyone. Welcome to Gavin Eubank and Brad Newton. I'm Austin David. And now that we got that out of the way, wow, what 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 a uh, what a week it has been.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yesterday was obviously Halloween too, and I didn't really do like a costume. I was working so I did I just wore my Orlando City jersey and, and I joked that I was just a depressed person for Halloween I, I tweeted I am someone constantly going through the five stages of grief and that could not have been more on point for where we were after yesterday because after that goal was called off I was in denial um, I got angry I started bargaining with myself that things could be different and now I'm just in depression mode i haven't gotten to acceptance we'll see if we get there um but uh yeah not uh not great not great it's funny you mention that because
1: yesterday i actually went as coach beard uh from (laughs) ted lasso but i was dressed in i didn't have like a richmond afc like training gear so i just wore like the orlando city training gear that i had from when i worked there and Mm -hmm. uh Yeah, I basically uh, went on the Odyssey that Coach Beard went on uh, in basically the one episode that just followed him after their uh, FA Cup loss. So, um, yeah, we're all going through it over here. I actually did tell Tyrion Reed to shut up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, we're just glad that you've made it here alive.
1: Hey, every day is a gift.
2: Every day is a gift. Well, uh, for those who have been potentially living under a rock or have not been following along with what has been happening in the last 48 hours or so. Orlando played Nashville at home, final game of the regular season at home for Orlando, with a chance to clinch playoff berth and potentially a home playoff game if they want. Daryl DK scored in the 18th minute. They were up one nothing going into the halftime break. And then just as Orlando has done the last couple of games... They start out the second half flat, concede a turnover, and Hani Mukhtar scores in the 53rd. Now, I don't know what's going on with Orlando and why their starts to second halves have been just absolutely atrocious as of late. But it is a concerning trend that nobody seems to have an answer for. And I've asked a, a multitude of people. And I'm like, what's what's up guys? Like why why do you keep starting second halves badly? And everybody who I've asked, from Tesho to Nani to Oscar, they're just like, well, we don't know. It could be a number of different things, but we just we do not know. But it's it's a trend that has been going on. You go back to the well, the Columbus game was a bit of a misnomer because they were already down to nothing. But you go back to the New England game. That was a later portion of the second half. The Montreal game, they conceded in the 51st minute. The Cincinnati game, they won, so that doesn't count. The D.C. United game, they scored in the 6th minute. Uh, Nashville, last time they played them, conceded in the 59th minute. And had to pull back from, at that point, 2-0 down to tie it at 2-2. Going back to the was it the Philadelphia game they conceded in the 61st minute, uh, the other Montreal game, they conceded two very late, so that doesn't count either. Um, so maybe not as much of a trend as I originally thought, <laughs> but it is it is still concerning because like it's not necessarily the goals that have been scored, because all the players have talked about how they've started the second house flat uh, in games as of late. So it's not necessarily the, the the score lines that have been reflective of that, but it is a trend nonetheless that has been continuing.
0: I would say, so. I mean, it makes me kind of wonder. Just throughout this season, I think one of the things that made Orlando so good last year is that you could see from beginning to end of the matches, especially beginning in games last year, there was so much intensity. From the team and they scored a lot of early goals last year, a lot of first half goals. But just for whatever reason this year, kind of throughout the season, it, things have not not always, but it just kind of feels more flat. I mean, obviously the team is struggling up front, it's struggling to create those chances, and maybe that's part of it. It's they're just kind of out there with no real um I don't know conviction that they had last year the kind of what they mean even early in the year when they were playing kind of well to start off the first couple of months but it definitely it's definitely concerning I mean especially as you kind of like this is the final games like this is the time that you need you should be hungry to go out there especially at home in a game that you like you said is must win to get into the playoffs it yeah i mean that th- there should be more to that and that should be able to kind of overcome just any of any tactical deficiencies that may be out there the the one thing that you can control is the intensity and the energy that you put into the game and like you said it, it wasn't necessarily there and heading into the playoffs you know knock on wood that they that they do get there something that's going to have to be you know very keeping a close eye on when we get there
2: absolutely and i think the biggest thing for this season is comparatively to last year and i think i've mentioned this on the show a couple times oscar was very adamant about calling his team protagonists in 2020 Mm -hmm. where they were the ones controlling the games this year he hasn't used that word very much in press conferences he hasn't really and it hasn't really been on the field they haven't necessarily been protagonists of games a lot this year And I think that's why you see the the drop in form, the drop in intensity, and the drop in results is just simply because they are not the controllers of the game as much as they were last year because I think teams have kind of realized what they do and what they are capable of and how they play. And the the way Orlando's defense is specifically, they're very robotic when it comes to what they are asked to do. There's not necessarily a lot of creativity being asked of them. It's just be defenders and defend. Kind of with that comes, I I don't want to say complacency, but it certainly seems like it's just kind of going through the motions in some points for the team.
0: I mean, I'm curious because I obviously, since I've moved, I haven't been able to watch every minute of the team like I was able to last year. And, and those things do stick out and, and the differences. But I'm kind of curious is, do you think that it's something more, like, do you get a sense? Like, this This is the same group. It's the same players with the same coaches and staff and, and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I get... It's understandable that that same level of intensity and whatnot is not going to necessarily be there as it was because last year was obviously new and last year was you know, a brand new thing that everyone's buying into and there's that excitement around it Mm -hmm. is, do you get the sense that it's by design that the team is not necessarily as pragmatic or does Oscar kind of under see something that maybe they're just not capable of doing that anymore? I
2: don't know. I mean, like from the times I've been at training to the times that I've seen or talked to them, It still has a very similar vibe. Like the trainings are upbeat and everyone's happy and excited. I genuinely have like, just like what they have told me, nobody knows what has changed Mm
1: -hmm.
2: or at least they're not telling us what has changed. It could be very you know something that's that's happening behind the scenes that just nobody knows about, which tends to happen in professional sports you You often find things out later or you never find out things at all and you jump to conclusions. Um, mm-hmm. you know that that tends to happen a lot in sports, jumping to conclusions. but with this team, there are no easy answers to why things have not gone their way. you know their their last couple results they've drawn three of their last four. And it just so happens that those three draws are against teams that they needed to beat and they could not.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's, you, you expect that the result, you're not going to see the exact same team every day. And I mean, we see it with the best teams, especially like in the league, like major league soccer, where parity is such a big thing and good teams have good runs and, you know, they also have bad runs. And I think it's, that what we saw last year to a degree, I mean, when we all kind of saw that this team was overachieving on expectations, it's not necessarily a shock when really they didn't add anything. They didn't add anything, you know, any big pieces that Mm -hmm. there was regression on that from last year, because we did see a lot that they were, um, they were outperforming their XGs and everything. They were, you know, they were scoring more. They were, uh, they were defending better than what the numbers suggested that they should have been. But it's definitely a lot of that I think was just due to the fact that this, the team itself, the way that they carried themselves on the field was definitely to a higher level than we've seen. And it just feels oh. like they've kind of regressed on that part. And that has made everything else just flatten back out to expect to where we actually expected them to be last year to what we're seeing. You know, I, I,
2: now that I'm starting to think about it more, and trying to think about like the progression of the way the season has gone mm-hmm. compared to last year. Last year, most of the team was healthy. Right. Yeah, I, and that's I a can't big think thing of a time, too. Is health and, and I can't and think available. of a time where Orlando City's health was bad last year. This year, you've been missing Sebas Mendez for most of the season. I mean, heck, we talked about how important Sebas has been. The results dropped off as soon as he got hurt.
0: And I think the the biggest long term loss they had last year was just Zhao. I mean, like, did Nani suffer yeah. anything serious? I don't. I think Pereira. Zhao, may Zhao have was been out for, for a bit, right?
2: The, right. And when Zhao was healthy, they were playing good. And then when he was hurt, the whole flow of the team got messed up, and, and right. they started dropping results. You know, not big results, but they started dropping results they probably should have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily something like defensively. it was just it was just the whole team got kind of shifted about a little bit. And again, consistency is so key when it comes to playing. And I've talked to coaches from every level, from high school to college to professional. And it's it's always interesting to pick their brains because they always have something different to say. But one consistent thing is they like to have consistency. And when you don't have consistency, and you have different voices, the innate things that you would do without thinking become different when a different voice is telling you to do something. So if, if that makes any sense, when you have a coach or a player in the back line saying step up, and then you, you hear that voice in one way, like sometimes inherently you'll just do it because you you just know that's how the player wants to play. Like he'll have your back while you step up or something. But if another player comes in and he plays a different style and he plays a completely different way of, of, you know, defending, it it throws your whole game off and you have to start thinking more rather than just playing and being out there.
1: You know, you, you mentioned what's, what's different and what's changed in, they're just, I've, I've been looking at it statistically and early on there was a, there's a narrative that Chris Mueller hasn't been playing as well as he, he was in uh, last year. And I think it's, I think it's pretty visible that he hasn't been, but if you look at it statistically, he has six assists on the year and he had six assists in 2020. The biggest difference is his drop off in goal production, which has really been the biggest thing. He he had 10 goals last year and he's only had three so far this year. Um, so Thinking about what's been different there, um, Riso Pereira, if we're also looking at it, I think he hasn't been playing as well. But then again, when you look at the statistics, in 2020 he had five assists and three goals, and this year he has one goal and seven assists. So it's kind of a push, I think, if we're looking at it that way.
0: What was uh, that I brought up the other day? Orlando is like sixth in the league in goals and assists created from their their two DPs despite the fact that we all kind of assume that the team's not scoring.
2: Yes. That that was that was a very interesting statistic that you brought up. And it's so as of right now, eighth are Nani and Pereira. Now that's between two players. Right? The only other mm-hmm. uh duo that is goals and assists combined by MLSDPs is Sporting Kansas City's Pulido and Russell, who have 32 goals and assists combined. Every other team has three designated players that is combined, and yet somehow Orlando is right up there with the Columbuses and the Seattles, who are just a couple ahead of them, with guys like Ladero and Rui Diaz and João Paulo.
1: I I think it does that. That says something. I think it does speak to the seasons that Nani and Pereira are having. I think visibly, I mean it look it just looks like something is off. Like it, it's it's the it's the sniff test, you know? It doesn't look like it's gelling as it was in years prior. But you know what it is,
2: right? It's they're getting older.
1: Uh well, yeah, but that's the thing is Nani
2: this year has outperformed Nani from last year. Yeah, but Nani. It's hard to compare Nani last year to Nani this year because it was such a shortened season last year. He's, uh, yeah, he
1: played three fewer. I mean, he's so far this year he's played three fewer matches. But I mean, looking at the numbers: ten goals versus nine last year, seven assists versus five last year. It's it's. it's oh yeah, well
2: he he started out the season incredibly well. Uh-huh. But again, just like Matt Doyle has said, and and everyone has given him shit for this, but he was right. Second half Nani. Not as good as first half Nani.
1: Second half Nani has one goal and one assist since August twenty second.
2: Yeah.
0: Is that so. something that Orlando City should consider? Um Absolutely. When, he, when his contract is up at the end of the year. I mean, he's thirty four
1: years old. I mean
2: you know, I when think
1: he, you do take it into consideration, but I, I he's still he's still your team's best offensive weapon, as weird as that sounds.
0: I mean, here's what like, because obviously we we know that the wolfs want to be, um, they want to they want to be involved and they want to put in the investment in Orlando City, so they want to spend money know, on think, big players, right? And, I, and that's that's where like I'm kind of, it would be re- like I'm really fascinated to know what their philosophy philosophy if they have one, or if that's more giving Muzi and those guys a directive like, hey, you know. We're going to give you the money to go out and get these players. You tell us what you want and we'll try to make that happen because you know, like you said, he's getting older and he's, you know, when DP spots are so crucial, do we want to spend that money on a guy who might be productive but could be better used on a player that's going to be able to, that we can count on for all 34 games? Well, think about it this way. If you,
2: if you look at Mauricio Pereira, he's 31 years old. He'll be 32 at the beginning of next year. right? He's still younger than Nani is, and he's still a very good player. His contract is up at the end of the season, and so there's going to be a question of do they re-sign him and maybe try and buy him down a little bit, or do they have to use another designated player contract on him? Same thing with Nani. Like, Nani, by far, is a designated player, I would say. But if they try and just sign him for a one-year deal, they could get him as a TAM signing and yeah. maybe open up all three designated player slots to bring in some much-needed depth at different positions. How much also is Nani? There's also the question, Nani, of, um, also the question of what happens with Daryl DK at the end of the year, because... It it right. really is a matter of when, not if, he gets sold to Europe, I think at this point. It the, the biggest Whoa. thing with the biggest thing with the previous regime of Orlando City, like with Alex Leitao, he didn't want to sell Daryl DK. This new ownership, well they might. And he wants to go overseas. He wants to go try him himself in bigger leagues. Yeah,
1: and right. I mean I I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it if that's ultimately where he wants to go, but I think if we're looking at it under the lens of being in a new regime, they don't—they're not hurting for money. They've got NFL money. Like this isn't
2: right. No, but I'm saying they could go buy somebody else and sell DK because he wants to go overseas. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, if, if they, they the may not be asking in, for as I think much. They're going to take it regardless.
2: Right. They may not be asking for as much
0: as the previous group was though and the the thing about Nani is he's on almost two and a half million right now I don't know that he's going to take enough of a pay cut to get close to Tam if it's
2: only a one year deal because he's currently on a three year deal
0: I mean maybe but that's again like he's given up a lot of money where he's already kind of stated too that he does want to go back to Portugal right mm-hmm so if that if that option's on the table it's I can take a lot less money to play here or I can go finish out my career here. I mean that's obviously more of a personal you know something that we can only speculate on at this point, but i I don't see him taking that big of a pay cut. Hmm.
1: yeah, if I were him i I probably wouldn't either um just based on why like yeah if, uh, it depends on who I, I who offers have... you more. If I only have like a year or two left, you're absolutely right there. I think if you you sort of field what options are available to you, but, I mean, if it's not worth it to come back for him, I I wouldn't blame him if he didn't.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and again, we can can talk about what will happen at the end of the season when the end of the season happens. There's still one more game to go, guys. I just want to reiterate that fact because there is the game against Montreal, which is – it's pretty much a must-win. It's not 100% a must-win, depending on the result that happens on Wednesday with Montreal and uh, Houston. But, all things considered, Orlando has to win, and there is still a chance for them to host a playoff game. It's a very outside chance, but there is a chance.
0: Yeah, depending so on the results riding- of
2: Red Bulls Atlanta, Philly NYC, and Red Bulls Nashville. If those three games happen in favor of Orlando, which is Red Bulls beating Atlanta, Philly beating New York City, and then Red Bulls on Sunday drawing or losing uh Nashville. Then that's a possibility that Orlando can host a playoff game if they beat Montreal.
0: Right. Well, New York and Atlanta both have a game in hand. So they they have 6 points um each. Right. They play they play each other on they Wednesday, do, is what I'm saying. They do play each other. And um Atlanta's one back, Red Bulls are two back.
2: Yeah. Red Bulls basically would need to beat Atlanta. Yeah. And if Montreal loses, then there is no other team that can catch
0: Orlando who currently are on 48 points. Mm -hmm. Right. So Montreal hosting Houston, a Houston team that has not won a single road game this year against Montreal that are 8-3-4 at home. Um, If Montreal does not win that game... Orlando City is locked into the playoffs, and then Sunday becomes all about positioning. If Orlando is to not get into that spot where they can host a playoff game, your three options are Philadelphia, Nashville, and New York City. Uh, Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, second place, 11-3-3 at home. Nashville has not lost a single home game this year. And then New York City, 10-3-3 at home. And as we all know. Orlando got their asses kicked 5-0 earlier in the year. so uh... There is also a
2: very outside (sighs) chance that Atlanta or New York could host a playoff game, depending on what happens in the final matches of the season. So if New York wins their final two, then they'd be on 52 points. And if New York City loses their final game, then New York Red Bulls would jump New York City. And it could potentially be a New York Derby in Harrison, New Jersey.
0: (laughs) That's interesting. I would also think that if Orlando, well, they can't. Yeah, they could pass New York City. If Orlando was to pass New York City Mm -hmm. and Atlanta somehow jumps up there and we get an Orlando-Atlanta game in the first round.
2: That's distinctly
0: possible. Yeah,
2: there. there's a lot to happen here. But the point of the matter is Orlando needs to get a result. And at the very least, they need to draw, but they need to win in order to try and have a chance, an outside chance of hosting a game.
0: Which we never fully uh, ran down how we got to, to this point of Orlando still needing a win clinch the playoffs Austin
2: yeah we haven't God we've spent like 20 something minutes talking about uh, everything else but the play in question
0: take us down memory lane what happened what happened in the 94th minute of that game last night so Mm. Pato Pato you guys remember that guy he came
2: into the game and uh, Orlando had a free kick right at the end of the game it's a great kick Pato strikes it Joe Willis tips it onto the bar comes off his back doesn't go in Daryl DK crashes the box kind of gets a touch on it as well as a touch on Alistair Johnson the ball goes to Andres Perea he knocks it in Orlando's up 2 one crowd goes wild and then the funniest thing happened it went to VAR and Alan Chapman, who is not got a good history of <laughs> refing Orlando City games, because he's the guy who refed the Orlando New York City playoff game last year, and he was suspended for the rest of the playoffs for getting it wrong. He comes into this game and gets a chance to decide the result for, or shall I say, against Orlando, and does so uh, by calling a foul on Daryl DK in that buildup. So the goal's wiped out. Orlando draw one, one Oscar's upset. The whole team's upset. And, um, that's where, that's where we are.
0: (sighs) Yeah. You know, it's just kind of another thing that happened ironically earlier in the day is obviously bill does not really care that much for soccer. And I was telling her about the game that was going to be on. This was, earlier in the day before the game had started and I was like yeah they play they need to get into the playoffs but there is this referee who is very not good and usually screws things up for Orlando City and she was like well that doesn't seem right like why would they allow him to be in their games I was like well that's the thing is just they don't care and sure enough things fall that way and he takes the goal off the board um so it's, I don't know. I. It's one of those things where, obviously this is not the only team that that injustices like this happen to in, in Major League Soccer. Orlando City is not the only team that has been wronged by the referees. But it is just astonishing how over the years, and it's just not like little calls, like 50-50 balls, 50-50 calls that go either way. It's just so many egregious, blatant, things happening that go against orlando city that every single person that was not on the field can agree on being wrong and in this case it's something that no one is clear like the it wasn't clear and obvious to overturn right and and that's the thing too is we've all aired our grievances about how var is used in this league but in this like you have the video to look at. And if the referees were not looking at the same video that we were looking at that was shown to us, I mean they obviously don't have most likely the camera that was sitting right there that an Orlando City comms person was using to capture that play. But if you don't have that angle, then you don't have the best angle. So you're making a you're making a call, and like you said, something that's not clear and obvious. And it's just It's pathetic and it is a cancer to this league that these referees (laughs) go out here day after day and it's somewhere every single week they do something that is just so bad and it is tarnishing the competitive integrity of Major League Soccer. Like if Orlando City, it's a, you know, we just sat here and talked about how we think they're going to make the playoffs because they're in the position and they hold all control, but there's also a pretty realistic possibility that Montreal wins the next two games New York and Atlanta could jump them and Orlando does not make the playoffs. And if they don't make the playoffs because of that decision, I wouldn't blame a single person for not continuing to have faith in this league and thinking that any of this is legit. It's it's just pathetic. I mean, what is this? Uh, Evan Weston, friend Evan Weston here, put on his timeline yeah. today. He dug up a tweet uh, from, what was it? 2019. Oh, the thought uh, time quote, tweet. Yeah, a quote from Zlatan Ibrahimović about referee Alan Chapman. Here, let's see. Um, Got it loading now. Going in on him here. This was a game, uh, obviously Zlatan was when when he was with the Galaxy. This from 2019, August 26th. Uh, He needs to go back to the drawing board and learn basic because the way he talks, the way he acts, the way he does his things, there's no connecting him to the game. He felt the fans came here for him tonight, so he made it a game for himself. A game like that cannot be decided by the referee. The teams needed to decide the game. This referee, I remember him from Portland when he said something stupid to me. Today, he said something stupid to me. He needs to go back. I don't know. He needs to go back to the guy in charge and do the most basic stuff. This, to me, if I'm being honest. I get fouled. The guy says nothing. A little push. After, quote. He's. I guess he's quoting. Uh, from Chapman after that it influences my game I can't play free I cannot play 100% because every time I touch somebody it's like I'm sending them to the cemetery so also ending that off with a little bit of Zlatan flavor oh brother this guy stinks and then on top of that obviously like you said Austin this is the same guy that completely miffed <laughs> The situation last year in the playoffs, going into penalty kicks and lost all control, had to be suspended for that. And he's still considered one of the best referees in Major League Soccer. He's still a guy that gets prime appointments every year. Yep, I don't know how you defend that if you're if you're Major League Soccer and if you're the Pro Referee Association be, or organization. Because they don't. It's, it's inexcusable.
2: Have better ones.
0: They don't, and that's like. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know I don't know what can be done. I I don't know if anyone knows what can be done because this is just <sighs> it's laughable. It's, human, it's laughable it's human to think error. that like, any of this is at
2: the end of the day legitimate. At the end of the day, this this foul that was called is a judgment decision by the referee. He was he gave the goal. And the fourth official, sorry, the VAR official at the time,
0: told Allen to go take a look at it. Well, I'm not indifferent to making a split-second decision. We all see things in the moment, and you miss stuff, and you see stuff that maybe you saw, but you you misinterpreted what happened. But when you, you do, you know, I have nothing, no problem with, hey, you know, something might have happened there. Come take a look at this and see for yourself. But if you do that, and you still find something that didn't even happen, you have the opportunity to watch that replay as many times as you need to to make that call to have all the information laid out in front of you and you still get it wrong, there is right, no the, okay, excuse so for that. There and, is, to your,
1: and to your point, Austin, he initially called it a goal. It's not right. until after he goes back to VAR. So what there was so right. clear and obvious that he's he's able to overturn that goal and, and, and change that's, the decision. And that's the
2: argument is that it wasn't clear and obvious. Now, from the angles that we saw after the fact compared to the ones that were available to them on the field – some things change depending on your perception of what happened. Like the, the behind the goal angle that Orlando city tweeted out, that is a much more clear and obvious uh, video angle compared to the ones that are from behind the play.
1: But I did, de- but if that's the case, I don't understand how he makes that, that decision to change it. If he's not, if he doesn't have a video that is that clear as Orlando city's, how how do you change that decision when you don't and i
2: think i think that's the biggest thing is that the clear and obvious rule needs to be reinforced by the pro referees organization because there's i feel like uh, across the league there's just been too many calls that haven't been clear and obvious and that's something that i've seen from taylor
0: twelman from god who, everybody that has because right, it's has not just an mls games. problem we see this happen in england all the time too with the way of that course. VAR are used, yeah, used yeah. over there when and they're it, calling offsides by the fractionist of margins like what is clear and obvious about the you know the integrity of that play that that this is what the game has evolved into like it's not right well the uh, point again, was to make when, the right calls and when you're not making the right calls then what are we doing here what is the point of it
2: no, I, and I understand that, but sometimes the right calls, like it, it is based on your perception of the right call as well. Because if here, if right. they're off by a f- shoelace, then they're still off. Like by the definition of the rule, they are offside. So mm-hmm. it's about the perception of the rule based on the individual referee, and it's also based because the way England does it is that it's all digital. You know, it, it's they they're not going by the eye tests; they're going by the actual like digital lines that are made so it's it's a bit different comparatively when it comes to offside but the one thing you have to remember is the way games are called by referees it is based on their perception of how the game is going so if there is a game that is incredibly physical and they're letting them play on it's going to be a very very physical game and that's the way the referee is going to let it happen. Now, if the referee steps in and starts calling every single foul, the game will change based on the way the referee calls the game. Which is ironic, because
0: that's also not how Alan Chapman was calling the game yesterday. Right. But again...
1: In that that second half, he handed out, like, four yellow cards.
2: Right. But that's the thing. It's based... So, like, they set the tempo of the game, the referees, whether you like it or not. And... There is no. Can anyone come up with a better alternative right now? I mean, I mean aside the from better
0: alternative is is a like. Here's the thing: is is we're we're talking about. I I'm not. You know, it's not like this I'm, I'm was the moment. Like here. you said, the call was to allow the goal to stand. You know, the issue here is that this is not necessarily, It's not even an in the moment thing anymore. Because he comes off the field to look at this play in close detail, and then still gets the call wrong, whether you not you perceive well, it, you're you're giving an explanation to something that did not happen. You know the explanation is that Daryl DK fouled the defender when that is simply not true. And is it though? Is is un, is deniable to anybody who watched it?
1: So the explanation I, given was that DK denied Johnston the the ability to clear. But when you watch it, Johnston's leg is extended into DK's, like, ankle and shin as he's taking a shot. DK's ahead of him. You can see it in the video that Orlando City have on, that they posted. Yeah, His but that's
2: ar- the one they posted, not the one that the referee saw.
1: But again, if it's not clear and obvious what's happening there, why are you changing that decision?
2: Right. And that's the, that goes back to the argument of clear and obvious. And I right, think like that, different
0: angles breed different perspectives in, in yes. the way that these cameras are shooting the game. But at the same time, what angle were they looking at that would have cha- completely altered the way that that play turned out?
2: It looks different from behind than it looks from in front. I will say that. But again, to to not to spend too much time on this, because we do have other stuff to talk about. I know this is like the big thing to talk about, but... I feel like it's been running to the ground at this point. There's nothing you can do about it now. The definition of clear and obvious needs to change, or the referees need to be educated on what actually means clear and obvious. Because right now, there's too much of a gray area for there to be one way or the other. I think we'll leave it at that.
0: And right now, you've got a referee who two years in a row has been directly involved in massive failures of understanding the rules and the jobs of, of his you know of the game. I don't know. I, I big don't big think big games this is, for Orlando City. Gavin, this is not a misunderstanding of the rule.
2: This is a judgment call. This is a judgment call that he made that it was
0: a foul. It's not a misunderstanding of the rule like it was last year. I mean, it's a misunderstanding of what constitutes a foul on a player that was not fouled, ju- but that's a judgment call.
2: It's a misunderstanding of physics and how a body moves across <laughs> someone else. Yeah. Right, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not a misunderstanding of the rule like it was last year. It's just a judgment call made by the official.
1: There are rules in physics, so it is a misunderstanding of the rule. You're not wrong.
2: You're not wrong. All right. We'll move on from Orlando City. But before – actually, before we move on from Orlando City, I want to talk about one last thing. Psych. The (laughs) attendance for the final game of the regular season in Orlando. Very much left to be desired. I would I would say that's probably the best way of describing the uh, official attendance, which was announced at fifteen
1: thousand nine hundred and fifty nine. Yikes on bikes.
2: Yeah. So this year has been weird because of COVID and everything, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's also Halloween. Orlando City. Yeah, I mean- o- Orlando City has averaged 15,000 fans per game this year in 15 games played. They are less than 2019 which was 22,000. Yeah. Now they are I still am... they're still just just below top 10 in MLS attendance. They're below Columbus Crew who averaged 16,000 fans and just above Real Salt Lake who allows 15,028 fans average. So they're ahead of teams like la galaxy minnesota fc dallas new york red bulls philly dc houston colorado who's actually a very good team this year vancouver chicago toronto nycfc and montreal funny enough nycfc is actually the second worst team in attendance this year (laughs) that's also because of covid regulations and restrictions that they've had in place but also, they also, play in no a baseball one wants stadium. To go watch
0: a soccer. Yeah, no one wants to watch a soccer game at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. As great as Yankee Stadium is to watch a baseball game at, not not the best. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Obviously, Florida has been open as long as anybody's been open since the pandemic kind of hit. Mm-hmm. I think you would have expected larger crowds by now. I mean, especially... It's not the best team in the league, and it's not even a team that was as good as they were last year, but it's a... Uh, well, his, this actually,
2: is, by points definition, they are the best team in Orlando City history. Thank you very much.
0: I, I, although I will say, too, as far as what you're paying to see home performances, this has been the best that Orlando City has ever played across a full 40, 34 game home schedule. So there, there Mm -hmm. is that fans are getting their money's worth. Orlando's only lost two times at home. They've never had a good record at home, a record this good at home. Um, So your money's the, you know, you're getting more for your money when you show up. That's for sure. Um, I mean, we're obviously we're in October. Vaccines have been out for, you know, a while now, and they've been accessible to everybody, you know, everybody minus children for a while now so maybe that has something to do people love to bring their kids to games and that's kind of a big driver as families coming to these games maybe a lot of people are, are still a little bit worried about that you know we've only just now getting vaccines approved for for children so maybe that'll have a big effect on the games come next year but I mean other than that like you know what more could you want? It's a team that, that is winning games. That's I mean they're certainly not losing games at home. Um and they've got a chance you know, they're gonna they're on track to make the playoffs for the second year in a row and they've got a fighters chance to win an MLS Cup. So, you know, it's if they if there was a year to to go out there and be supportive, this this would be it. And for some reason, the numbers just haven't haven't caught up. I mean, we're seeing in other places around the country it hasn't been a big deal but mm. uh No don't know I, Brad
2: I want I want to get your thoughts on this what do you think is besides the whole stuff that Gavin mentioned what do you think is kind of hindering Orlando City not just the city but when we talk about the pride as well um yeah that's a whole They other still have some of the best itself. players in the league and you know their oh, results at home are maybe. unfortunately not good but
1: uh, i mean uh, it, it's it's twofold one um Obviously, the pandemic continuing to, you know, be a thing and people not really being fully comfortable going out in the crowds like... That's that's pretty big, especially I mean, with as bad
0: as Delta got this summer in Florida. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can look at all the you can look at all the sports in Orlando, and you can see you can make the same argument for pretty much all of them, really. I mean, UCF football doesn't have the same sort of attendance as it did, uh, you know, compared to two years ago. Um, the Magic certainly have not had the same sort of crowds come out for their games. Um, you know it's it's a it's a real world logistical problem that that a lot of teams are are still facing and it's an ongoing issue um past that i mean i think the club i think the club has kind of like squandered a lot of good faith that people in the market had about the team like the excitement that was originally around the shiny new thing has has worn off here um they haven't been performing as well as people would like and and so it's going to take you know uh some effort on this new ownership group to really sort of make it seem attractive again i mean maybe depending on how this upcoming transfer window looks and who they bring in and how this team finishes the season if they make the playoffs and make a run maybe there's some excitement built around there but um from a marketing and positioning standpoint uh, I mean one of the things that that I think troubles a lot of MLS clubs you know you said they, they're outside the top 10 in attendance but I think one of the things that league wide is you know when it comes to like meteorites and how the league is presented to you know people at home if, if you're not if you don't know where to watch games when you're at home it's going to make it really difficult for you to want to come out and go to a game when you just don't have that kind of attachment to them and, hmm. when they're not when they're not home
0: so yeah, especially um, when so many people have cut the cord nowadays so even when they are playing on fox and espn and, and unimas people don't have the access to watch that because then it's also blocked out you know when it's on national tv it's not on local tv it's not on espn plus or you know when it is espn plus you still need a cable sign in to log in um but i mean the other option around that is watching on lion nation.com which watching on the computer you know if I have to do it, I'll do it, but it's also not enjoyable. I don't like sitting in my chair for for you know two hours straight and having to look at a small screen and watch. And yeah, and, and the site the site has either. been kind
2: of buggy as well. Like it hasn't worked properly from the times that I've used it. There are times where I can't cast from my computer to my TV because it just doesn't work. Um, right. There are times when the video just doesn't load properly, and you know, I get it. First year trying to figure things out. But also you don't have any other options. Like some teams just broadcast on their website for free, but it actually like works well. Um this pl- the player like the one thing I hate about Lion Nation is it doesn't allow you to fast forward or rewind or, or you know, anything like that. It you just press play and that's it. Whereas if I was watching on YouTube TV a couple years ago, pause, rewind, DVR, watch it back, etc.
0: I definitely think, I think a lot about like what the Wilfs have here and they, they know what they have and they know what the potential is here and it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next six months leading into those first games next year. You know, obviously, you know, like Brad said, it's not, Orlando City's not the shiny new toy in town anymore. The, the where, you know, they've, They've you know cooled down a little bit in terms of of popularity and excitement, but I think back a lot to those early years, you know, when everything was so so much centered around you know filling the bowl and and Orlando was constantly around the community. And, and again, like COVID, obviously has a lot to do with the ability to do stuff like that right now. But I mean, even just simple things like when they were giving out magnets to everyone, and everyone had a magnet on their car, and you couldn't drive anywhere around Orlando without seeing that logo somewhere every five minutes. And you know, uh, the first couple of years when the Pride were there, they they did uh, on the eve of like the season every year, like scarfs around the city, and they would just leave Pride scarfs all over town. Like, I feel like things like that, just simple stuff. You know, driving down I four, there's always at least one or two Orlando City billboards up, and you know after the first few years i stopped seeing that stuff you stop seeing the, the magnets and the billboards and all these things and the aware you know it, it tunes down the awareness um especially in a place like orlando where there are a lot of new people constantly coming into the community so maybe they're not aware that the team is even there um
2: there's also the fact that they just haven't been good up until last year
0: yeah and that definitely obviously plays a big role you know in in it um People over under, out and do you watch. Think more
1: people, do you think more people attend the last Magic home game of the season than City game of the season?
0: How many people have been attending Magic games this season?
1: They're uh, uh, um, are bad. So. Yeah,
0: they, well, they are bad. Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: but they've also, they, surprisingly, they've done okay when it comes to attendance. Um, they've only had two home games, but they're averaging about sixteen thousand, which is more than Orlando City.
1: I mean, but but if they're they're they continue to be bad, yeah. Like, are people still gonna show up for that? Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, it depends because here's the thing: as bad as the Magic are, if they're playing, say. The Heat, or the Raptors, oh, well, or the yeah. Sixers; those fans will show up for those games. I and mean, because of Orlando being such a, I guess transient city, is that the right word?
1: Yeah. So like, I mean, people just
2: come and go. Like people will just come here for a weekend and vacation for Disney, and go to a Sixers game, or a Bulls game, or a Warriors I, game. Even I, I like, see what you're saying.
1: Let's uh, so let's let's say this March twenty
2: sixth um that
1: they would have one two three they'd have four home games after march 26th and that's against the sacramento kings
0: i mean orlando's tried orlando tries to do that i mean they have a, a, a booth at the orlando international i mean they had the city pub there too right that's i don't believe that's there any longer though at the airport it's still the there Airport's yes. still there oh okay okay the one on i remember the last time i was the one
2: downtown in orlando uh, was closed due to health concerns
0: right right the last time i was at the airport it was closed probably because this was in like august of last year obviously still in the middle yeah that would that would be why Um, but um Um. but i mean yeah i mean that that is still something that they shoot for obviously you know with a lot of a big brazilian population and the team was owned and run by Brazilians for a while, and, yep. and certainly in the way that the the stars that they brought in. Um, I do. I wonder has has that ever been asked of the Wolves if they take that if they they understand that and that that plays into what they want with this uh, club.
2: I haven't had a chance to talk to any of the Wolves yet because I've been out and about and haven't been to any of the events other than the Bailing, But all the media was there. So I'm hoping okay. to do something in the off season with them, but it, it's very up in the air right now. So eventually I will have the chance to talk with one of them to to get some questions. I think they'll probably do something before the season starts. Uh, but right now it's just kind of who knows what. So
0: yeah, I mean there's a, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, I I am very curious and also excited to see what the Wolves can do. I mean
2: Again, it's it's only been a couple months since they've taken over. Give yeah. them an off season and see what they can do. But uh, there's there's hopefully a good future for Orlando City to come. Um, yeah. And maybe I'm being too optimistic,
0: but you buy you know they they bought this as an investment play and to get the biggest investment, to get the most out of it. They're gonna they're gonna want to grow the brand and they're gonna want to put a lot of money in that to make that happen. So we'll see. Yeah. And that involves getting people to the game. So I'm sure they've got some some plans for how to do that. Yeah. They're also,
2: I, from what I've heard, they're doing a lot more with the academies and with the, you know, the, the younger kids as well as the B team for Orlando City, which will potentially yeah, be playing. I, I do believe
0: I um, w- Mark Wilf, um, the chairman, did an interview. But where he said that that was going to be a big focus was, was the youth academy. And I think they see... The, the direction that major league soccer is going and how beneficial it is to be able mm. to develop players and then to be able to sell them on at, you know, obviously large profits. Um, assuming that the, you know, you're developing good players. Um, and also in the, in, in the short term, it brings down costs for the first team when you're able to play homegrown's and Academy kids and then sell them on and just keep the pipeline moving the, the uh, FC Dallas way. Yeah, this is this is a random
1: thought that just occurred to me, but it's going to be I mean that's that's quite a challenge considering that Montford and IMG are in the same market as whatever potential Orlando City B mm-hmm. team would look like.
2: Yeah, and the fact that Orlando had partnered with Montford and they don't have a very good relationship because of that nope. anymore. <laughs> so they're directly competing with each other and Montverde has a bone to pick with them as well. So it's going to be very hard, but because of the MLS backing that they have and the infrastructure that it comes with, I think they do have a bit of an advantage. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Having said that Montverde does has it. They do recruit, they go out and find kids from Africa and Brazil and bring them to Florida to play in that kind of environment. So I think it's going to be more Orlando trying to capitalize on the people that are already here, whereas Montverde is going to be, an IMG as well, they're going to be recruiting from all over the country.
1: And all over the world, really.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. all over the world, too. So, something to, to keep in mind for the future. But I think we spent enough time in Orlando City, because it's, it's almost an hour on Orlando City. I, we do need to talk about the pride. There's college soccer and the rest of MLS and world soccer to get through. So... How about those Pride players? 1 nothing loss at home to Chicago to end the season. The season is over, and Becky Burley is not coming back as the head coach. She is dropping the interim t- uh, tag and saying goodbye to the Pride.
0: Yeah. I mean, is she saying goodbye or are the Pride she is, saying goodbye? She is.
2: She took herself out of the running.
0: <laughs> did she take herself out of the running? She did. Or did yeah, the she pride took herself, pride out, take of herself the out of the running.
1: Hey i mean the pride's performance took herself out of the running but i i do think yeah. if there was someone who at, at when it was first announced that looked like a it, like a slam dunk becky burley was definitely the person that mm-hmm. looked like a sure thing i mean even here in florida she's got a history of being, like, being a coach that can bring results and they were in a prime spot to start out with it's it's it sucks because like you're you're changing coaches mid-season you're coming in you don't have all of your players right away to sort of get a routine started and, and really sort of get your you know whatever kind of identity you're trying to establish is you're not really going to have time to to make that so it's a, it's a tough position to come into but they were making it work for a while and then the end of September rolls around and the wheels just completely fall off. So it, I don't, I, I think that's really, I mean, you can't lose five games in a row. In and that was, what, playoffs right. That was
2: week. one of the things that Becky said um, when, when I, I can't remember if it was me or Julia, um, but we asked her about, you know, why, why she took herself out of the running. And she said, And I quote, in the end, the most difficult part for me to wrap my mind around was the lack of results for us. But if you take that away, I think the experience is one that I really enjoyed. And I'm definitely going to continue to watch the Pride from maybe a bit of a different angle now. Uh, She also went on to say, part of the reason for me not to stay on is because I think with the new ownership, new attitude, new outlook. And I think they need to find someone that is a little bit longer term perspective. That was never going to be me. And I think it will really be best for the organization to start building for the future.
0: I think that makes sense. I mean, given where she's at in her career, it coming you know, after such a long career. She just retired. It, yeah. right. It, it would it would have been hard to see even when she was brought in, it was kind of hard to see her being a long term piece. And she makes a good point. And given all that we had kind of knew, um, when the pride did those press conferences is they definitely especially with the wolves now they want to build long-term sustainable success with the pride and preferably that means having a coach that's going to be there for that project to play out
1: yeah i mean she she is 54 years old and she did just retire like
0: months before i mean and when you think about college like that's that's a 24 7 job and and not just playing but then recruiting and trying to constantly find the next crop of players you know whereas when you're a professional soccer coach you know that you're you're at the office a lot but you can delegate a lot of those tasks to other people i mean she retired especially like gms and whatnot joined the
1: pride in july
2: so yeah that that, and she
0: she said something about teaching i guess she teaches at uf too Yes, she does teach at uh, U.S.
2: Yeah. Uh, U.C. At, uh, U.F. Wow, yeah. too many U's and too many F's in this state.
1: <laughs> too many L's to Ouch. finish out her tenure there. Damn. Damn. All
2: right, uh, some news that has come out of the Pride organization today, being Monday. Uh, the Pride have transferred and loaned two of their players to Canberra United in Australia. So Ali Heron, who I don't think actually played a game this season has been transferred to Canberra. Whereas Chelsea Washington, who did come off the bench has been loaned to Canberra. And with that loan, they also picked up her 2022 club option. So she will be back with the team next year at the very least.
1: Um, Ali played, 12 minutes against the Dash.
2: Ah, okay. Well, that that is probably appearance. why she's not coming back.
1: <laughs> yeah, she had one appearance all year. It was a 12 minutes substitute. Late substitution yeah. against the Dash in June.
2: Understandably so. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side with Chelsea Washington, uh, shout out Bowling Green State, where she was a graduate from. Shout out Brent Petkus as well, RIP. 30th overall pick in the oh, 2020 end of year's old draft. He's,
1: he's, not, he's, he's not dead. He's just captured by ISIS.
2: We, we always RIP people that aren't on the show with us.
1: Oh, right. I forgot we yeah. do that here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, she did appear 10 times, had an assist in those 10 games in the 2021 campaign. Uh, but definitely a player that you can look at as depth for the future. So, good to get her some more experience uh, heading into the 2022 NWSL season. So, she will join the team on April 3rd, 2022, after her loan concludes. All right. Final thoughts on the Orlando Pride season. Give me a one-word summation to the Orlando Pride 2021 season. Gavin. Poop. Poop. Okay. Uh, Brad. Tumultuous. Tumultuous tumultuous. I like tumultuous. I think that tumultuous has been used a number of times by different players throughout the year. I think actually, I want to say Tony Presley said it in her press conference to end the year. But yeah, it has been very tumultuous. You go from Mark Skinner, who left the team abruptly, to Becky Burley, who tried her best to get them to the playoffs, but could not at the end of the day. And now they head into an off season where they are without a coach, but they do have a GM. And so now it is up to the GM to put, put his stamp on the situation. Ian Fleming is getting a chance to hire his own coach, and I think that's probably very good. I think that we've seen from Orlando City's history that if the GM and the head coach work together well, they get results. And so if they're both on the same page – they will do well and hopefully ian fleming can find that person that will work well with him and we'll get results at the pride there's also a question of who's actually going to be coming back for the pride but we'll save that for the actual like off-season episode for both teams
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. on to college soccer ucf men's and women's soccer ucf men's soccer we'll start with them I don't know what the heck's gone on the last couple games, but they've conceded nine goals in their last two games and have lost both. They were in a position to host the conference tournament just a week ago, and they are now 6-3 and three in conference with the potential of being the last seed to make it, depending on how they finish out on Friday with they play the best team in the conference, Tulsa, at Tulsa. Uh, they just lost 5-0 on senior day to SMU at home, which, God, that was a hard game to call. It was just bad. Like, I talked to Scott Calabrese, the head coach of UCF, after the game, and he's just like, we did not show up. Nobody showed up for this team. And only when we went down a man did they actually start looking like they wanted to try, which shouldn't be the case. But it was. And now they are in a bit of limbo where they could end up being the worst seed in the conference or they could end up being the second seed in the conference. There's just really – there's a lot in between right now.
1: Begs the question, has Scott Calabrese lost this locker room?
2: Uh, No, I think the biggest thing is that their starting center backs are out.
1: Hearing rumblings that –
2: That rumbling is in your stomach because you're hungry.
1: It's true. It is. (laughs) Six o'clock as we record this. (laughs)
2: So uh, last game, Friday, November 5th on ESPN Plus at Tulsa, 8 o'clock kickoff. On the women's side of things, their season is over. Uh, they did make the conference tournament with a 3-4-1 record. They finished out the year at home on senior day with a 5 nothing win versus Temple and then proceeded to lose at Cincinnati 3-1. to They started the conference tournament on Sunday at 1 o'clock against Memphis in Memphis and lost to Memphis 2-0. And that's it. Their season is over. Uh, it was a very back-and-forth season where they had great results at the beginning of the season. They beat UF. They beat Texas. They beat Miami. And then once conference started, they just could not get results. They lost to Memphis. They lost to South Florida. They lost to Cincinnati. It was just very weird. Very weird conference schedule for them and, and very uncharacteristic of them as well. So uh, hopefully next year, with Tiffany roberts I, hate, I can charge, they will be better. And I know may, many people may say, oh, well, what about Tiffany Roberts, headache for the pride job? Uh, I would like to remind folks that she did take a extension to stay with UCF soccer program through uh, 2027.
1: But as we as we all know, coaches will take uh, extensions and never go anywhere else. Right.
2: Hmm. That's never mm. happened before. Mm, this is true although sorry it's 2025 uh, I would like to also say that with Tiffany having talked to her a multitude of times over the last year it doesn't seem like she wants to go anywhere and I've asked her about it I've asked her point blank do you want to go to NWSL and she's like I'm as of right now my I'm truly happy here my kids are happy here and there's no reason for me to continue on and like she, at some point she does want to coach nwsl well, there you go. she thinks it would be a very fun opportunity but if i think that's, she'll that's be the
1: real that's the real answer Is that because it has to be road. she said but it has to be
2: the right opportunity
1: while you're well i mean hey what what better opportunity than the town you're already in i mean that's that's the answer you're going to give when you're employed by someone and you, you don't want to upset you know
2: the I, yeah you yes and to. no i think T- tiff is very open with a lot of stuff with that um you know if she if she was talking while it was like being recorded or something then then i don't know well, maybe I mean, she didn't want Austin to put that on record i don't know
1: that's it's look it's a heady play by her you're a journalist <laughs> nothing is ever off the record so you know yeah my hat's, my hats off my hat's off to her game recognized game
2: Eh, fair enough all right well that's uh all the updates on UCF soccer on the other side of thing Rollins soccer their season is coming to an end as well uh Rollins men they have uh one last game uh Tuesday November 2nd which by the time the show comes out will be the day it's being played they're playing at Fort Lauderdale they're a 4-4-1 record in conference um they look to lock up a spot in the conference tournament on the so women's side of things,
1: in Miami, enter Miami. <laughs>
2: uh, on the women's side of things, 4 1 and 3 in conference. They have two more games left. Uh, a November 2nd game for senior, or sorry, not senior night. Uh, a November 2nd game at Winter Park, in Winter Park for Nova Southeastern, and then at home on November 5th for senior day. And that's a Friday game that was a makeup game from earlier in the season that was canceled due to weather. That will be senior day and that is this coming Friday. And then the conference tournaments start for all of them. So uh, we will watch with great interest to see what they end up doing as the season rolls on. And now let us wrap up everything that has been happening in the world of soccer. We're going to just go through this pretty quickly. The FC Cincinnati, worst team in three consecutive years in MLS play. The wooden spoon has been passed from FC Cincinnati to FC Cincinnati and there is no comparison. They are also one of the worst teams when it comes to uh consecutive losses. They have the most consecutive losses in MLS history. They are close to breaking their own record of most goals conceded in MLS history. And um mm-hmm. God,
1: have they, do they have the most consecutive losses in MLS history?
2: They do. Um, I believe either they are they're one away.
1: They're one I think they're one away with with the so, Metro Stars of yeah, okay, so they,
2: they've lost 11 straight, and the Metro Stars lost 12 straight. So they could tie it if they lose to Atlanta for the final game of the season, which...
1: Entirely possible. I'd Atlanta, say
2: about 90% possible.
1: Atlanta suddenly looks like a competent team again.
2: Mm-hmm. Just a smidge. But also, they did draw to Toronto, who's well, not good. You know... They they gave they gave Dom Dwyer his first assist of the season.
1: Uh, you know, look.
2: It yeah. happens. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. And who did who And did also Man- uh, did realistically did? it's possible that Atlanta needs to win that game to um make the playoffs.
1: Man City lost to Crystal Palace this week too, so I
2: mean, yeah. this is true. That the crazy things can happen. Uh, NWSL stuff. Kansas City Woso have renamed themselves to the Kansas City Current. Thoughts. Um Sure. Yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts exactly. Uh that's the logo's kind of I mean, cool. The, the 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 I mean the logo is kind of bland. I think the logo's pretty boring. Yeah, it is. I is I it, don't know why. Is it current I, sorry, like a, the like color
1: ri- like a river current or like current like electricity or like I think like... it has
0: something to do with electricity. Okay.
2: So, um, I... the, the idea behind the color scheme was they're doing teal, uh, Heartland Red, and Storm Blue. Uh, I like the, the color scheme. I'm big so on the, the crest,
0: color scheme. It's the, crest the name features and the logo a, that
2: are Yeah, the crest that. features a cu- river current on the that goes through the logo, so the three rivers is a river current which is why they're called the current Uh, it also has um, two stars which represent Kansas City and Missouri uh, but also kind of represent the two championships that Kansas City won back when they were uh, the old Kansas City team which I mean
1: yeah you can claim them again that's fine
2: FCKC was a team that played in Kansas City it's not the same team it's weird because the way the way things worked was that FCKC moved to Utah, the trans, the, the um, championships I, I, I don't transferred an, I don't, to Utah, I don't and then an Utah issue. Utah um, folded. So technically, this is a brand new team, but they're also basically saying, "Hey, no, but we actually did win two championships. We're just kind of doing a a, a fun little way of honoring that."
1: I don't I don't have a problem with it.
2: No, I don't have a problem with it either. It's just very interesting the way they've done it is yeah. all. Um, I mean,
0: other than that, like, everything that they've done up to this point has been fantastic. I mean, they've got a new facility, and they're building what is believed to be the first women's specific soccer stadium in the country. So, like, shout out to them for that. Like, they've, they've done awesome things to this point. They have. And the I'm, one, excited, I'm excited to see what they do for the future
2: the one complaint i do
1: have though is that they just basically up and ripped off this yellow kraken's uh color scheme
2: no, no no but it's different it's different different colors because they're di- they're listen it may be the same color scheme by the naked eye but the color names are different
1: i mean i'm sure but, the Pantone numbers are different but like it's, no no no. the same.
2: name specifically no, heartland yeah, red that, and storm too. blue But i mean
1: even the kraken's logo has red teal and, and white in it. and blue yeah so
2: yeah there's a there's a bit of a comparison but also like their original logo like the kansas city nwsl placeholder logo was kind of similar
1: yeah but the kraken's is way cooler too so
2: this is true i mean the the current is just a river the I mean, kraken like, is like a it's, mythical it's, beast
1: well yeah where and where does the kraken live where there's a current so
2: is is there a current in, in like oceans the ocean? yeah that's what the well, Gulf yeah. stream is yeah yeah, I mean. yeah 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 yeah. never mind ignore me moving on federico iguaín so, has what, retired ninth grade science we've moved on <laughs> federico iguaín has retired
1: speaking of ninth grade
2: science <laughs> uh, Federico Iguain spent a number of years in the Columbus Crew organization before... I don't
1: know the correlation, but it fits.
2: There's not. Moving on. (laughs) 37-year-old Federico Iguain has played for the Columbus Crew, D.C. United, and Inter-Miami throughout his tenure here in MLS. And uh, he's played almost 200 games for the Crew, 10 games for D.C., and 28 games for Inter-Miami where he played with his brother, Gonzalo who I will, I believe, remain in the club. But yeah, that's it for Federico. So long,
0: farewell. Best of luck. Yeah.
2: 106 goals in his career. But arguably he was the best of his tenure playing-wise with Columbus from 2012 yeah, to I 2019.
1: Think, I, don't, I don't think that's arguable. I think that's pretty well-established. Well
2: yeah. Yeah, I would say so. All right. Um, you know, interestingly enough, he also played for Besiktas back in the day.
1: Mm-hmm. And speaking of Besiktas.
2: Play for them? Yeah. Kyle Laren is being linked to Everton, Gavin.
0: We love it. Do you, though? We need a number nine of respect at Everton. <laughs> ah a number nine of respect.
2: Well, Kyle Aaron is scoring goals for Besiktas. He is doing incredibly well and is definitely a hot commodity. West Ham has also put their name in the ring to try and court the Canadian striker, uh, who has officially scored 27 goals in 62 games with Besiktas. Of course, uh, Orlando city, he scored 43 in 87.
1: There's nothing. I'm, 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 just finding out that he's not the only Canadian player to play for Besiktas.
2: Yeah, Tiba Hutchinson. Yeah. He's a captain. He's been there for years. Yeah. Twenty thirty. He's old, though.
1: Uh, yeah, he is very old.
2: I think um, he's 38,
1: I want to say. Yeah, 38. Batman, also playing for Besiktas on loan. Oh, batui Yeah. Yeah,
2: how about that?
1: Uh, who else you know, plays for them?
2: Uh Alex Teixeira Brazilian. Yeah. Uh Nkudu from France. Mm. I don't know. Oh, and uh Marilyn Pjanic
1: That actually okay. Yeah. I'll I'll go with that.
2: Yeah. He's on loan from Barcelona.
1: He, had a, he had a nice uh he had a nice Europe spell there.
2: Moving on um haji barry former orlando city draft pick and ucf player has won the golden boot for usl he tied the record for most goals in a season and uh has had an incredibly resurgent year it's always fun to see haji doing well and uh just a reminder orlando city still holds his mls rights never know what'll happen
1: i think i do
2: <laughs> All right, last thing from MLS and World Soccer News, the Whitecaps FC shit show. Oh boy. Yeah, so many uh many months ago there was a a whole thing with the Vancouver Whitecaps where um there was a scandal within the women's team that they had in 2010 and 2011. This has come about multiple times and has just really hit home over the last month or so where basically um, Mallory Enoch told the Guardian newspaper that Hubert Busby Jr. solicited sex from her. And he was a former coach, by the way, uh, along with other inappropriate advances when the pair were both members of the Whitecaps women's team between 2010 and 2011. Now, because of all of this, multiple Whitecaps executives are on administrative leave after the scandal was basically brushed under the rug and and the entire team knew about it. So now the MLS PR uh, program has basically stepped in and said they will be engaging in an independent council to oversee a thorough investigation into how the Vancouver Whitecaps organization handled the allegations of misconduct. Brought in by 2011. So, not great.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, awful. And everyone there should be held accountable for their actions or inactions.
2: Yes, probably inactions more. So, but. Well, with that, I think we'll move on to the final part of our show. God, we've been recording for a while. Let's do weird news and red cards slash advantage anyone got some good weird news for today
0: um, um i do i was looking but i couldn't find anyone I've, i, go I for got
1: it. i got i got one that i've got two really so i'll 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 read both and have it as a, like a make good for gavin um <laughs> one is one is pretty harmless and i'll go with that one first uh influencers in shanghai are posing in front of costco pretending they're in la <laughs> Uh, Chinese netizens are cra- cashing in on the nostalgia for international travel uh, by posing in front of China's only Costco stores if they're in sunny Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> basically, it's, it's, a, it's a whole thing of Chinese influencers just taking pictures sitting inside of shopping carts or like posing in front of like the parking lot there in front of the Costco sign, pretending they're in LA, which is, which is a, a fun way to, I guess... Pretend that you're in the U.S. Uh, look, I, I'm a I'm a, 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 a I'm evangelical of Costco. So if Chinese influencers <laughs> want to be like, "Hey, Costco's great," then hey, I'm right there with them. Um, All right. The other the other news story I have: uh, Squid Game cryptocurrency scammers make off with 2.1 million dollars. Oh boy. Um, the anonymous hucksters behind a Squid Game cryptocurrency scam uh, pulled the rug on the project, making off with $2.1 million. Uh, it was widely reported uh, through a few different uh, outlets like BBC, Yahoo News, Business Insider, Fortune, and CNBC um, about how this uh, cryptocurrency had soared by 83,000% in just a few days. So, um, not really doing much of due diligence and reporting on a scam cryptocurrency uh, basically resulted in these guys pulling a 2.1 million dollars in fraud so that's fun
0: it's almost like nobody really understands cryptocurrency and everyone's getting easily duped by it and yet it's taking over the financial world
1: yeah Uh, gizmodo why the reporter was probably a scam early on because uh you can only buy the crypto you couldn't sell it uh their twitter account made it impossible (laughs) for anyone to reply to their posts and their telegram channel uh didn't allow for comments from outsiders so (laughs) just saying
0: i mean at that point you're you're asking for it
1: yeah dude you're kind I don't,
0: of I, don't necess- <laughs> I don't normally like to victim shame, victim blame, you know, either one. But uh, yeah, no, kind of get what you're asking for there.
2: All yeah. right, um, I'll throw out two stories of weird news for you. Um, a man was shot at a Whataburger while showing off a gun, <laughs> and you'll be surprised to know this did not happen in Florida it's actually in Texas yep. <laughs> uh, 3 a.m. a victim who was showing off a gun to a woman in the drive-thru of the restaurant accidentally uh, the woman was handling the gun when it went off and hit the man in the arm so just dumb people doing dumb things at Whataburger as you do just, just as you do and then um, this one you'll you'll enjoy uh, Facebook rebranded to a new name called Meta. Uh do you I guys happen to that. know what Meta means in Hebrew?
1: Um isn't that what Ron Artest changed his name to? Uh
2: no, Meta in Hebrew means dead. So it's been they, dead to me
1: for like 2 years so.
2: Yeah, no, Facebook yeah. basically just rebranded to dead, which that is actually probably a good thing. Facebook is dead
0: Ironically, it'll be dead when its aging customer base is dead.
2: To end the show, finally, who has a red card or who wants to play Advantage today? Um, I'm playing Advantage to
1: the 76ers City Edition jerseys. Hmm. Uh, A lot of NBA teams, I think all of the NBA teams, all 32 teams announced or showed off their, their City jerseys for the upcoming season. And... Uh, the sixers knocked it out of the fucking park guys. Um,
0: I do like the magics so'll I'll give a little play advantage to that too.
2: The magic the, the nice thing I like about the magic is the fact that they went with the old logo on the front. Well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: well the Sixers kind of did something similar to that. Um, I don't so uh, it's it's a it's it harkens back to the old spectrum arena. Uh, it's got like the old logo marks from there, and and uh, has on the panels there. There's a, a red, orange, green, and blue panel, and if you're from Philadelphia, that's that basically tells you four for four there. That's the Phillies, Flyers, Eagles, and and uh, Sixers. Um, uh, of course, the uh, Sixers and Flyers formerly played at the Spectrum until about '94. Uh, when the Wells Fargo Arena was built and uh, the Phillies and the Eagles of course playing at Veterans Stadium for a long time so it's just cool to see like uh, a look based on like the the 70s uh, Sixers the 70s? 70s Sixers be brought back uh, for this year's uh, City Edition jerseys when all their other ones so far have been hot doo-doo except for the one year that they did like a Rocky theme and that was kind of cool but other than that, um, they've been traditionally going with like this off-white sort of uh, Declaration of Independence look, and that hasn't been great. So to see them sort of switch it up
0: this year, um, I'm I'm for it. It's good. Um, I've got a couple a couple red cards. One of them is my um everyday red card to uh, Joe Manchin. Um, The next one goes to. Uh, where did my second one go to here?
1: I'm sharing a picture um, of the Sixers jerseys on the Discord now. Hmm.
0: I have to open the link. Um,
2: that is actually pretty good. I like that
0: a lot. My play on. As I forget my second red card, my play on goes to uh, the "What We Do in the Shadows" finale. Oh, the um, season came together pretty well. Uh, they left off on some pretty big cliffhangers there, and I'm excited to see where that picks up in season four. Um, I, won't, nice. I won't delve into details, obviously. You know, the three of us are—I are, know we watch it, but for those at home. Uh, i have not watched this
2: new season yet so ah yeah
0: well i I won't spoil it for you or anyone else um, thank but you i i did get a lot of enjoyment out of this out of this current season and uh, i'm
2: sure i will once forget. i actually sit down to watch it uh yeah. i'm going to go ahead and play a red card here straight red to uh usl mm. um a couple weeks ago i called a game with miami and pittsburgh where there was an egregious own goal that was scored by Miami. And for some reason, the referee misinterpreted the rule and gave a corner rather than giving a goal. So the game actually ended nil-nil, which, uh, again, the Inspector Brad special, if you have listened to this show for the last couple years, uh, nil-nil result, everyone goes home mad, which more Pittsburgh than Miami probably went home mad with that result. Yeah, couple so not, not days. a true Inspector
1: Pratt special. Just.
2: Yeah, fair, fair, close enough, though. Close enough to the point where uh, somebody was mad. Now, a couple days later, USL came back and said, you know what? The ref screwed up. We're going to actually take this game and continue it from that moment on with Pittsburgh up one nothing." That's all well and good, and I'm sure you know most people would say, "Wow, that's that's setting a, a quite a precedence here." You know that they're actually saying, "Hey, this they they screwed up, the ref screwed up, and now they're actually going back to fix the problem." Here's the issue: uh, Paul Dalglish, son of former legend Kenny Dalglish from the uh, old Premier League days, uh, he wrote an open letter saying we tried to actually forfeit the game because we just don't care to play it. Uh, we're, you're making us play a midweek game where we don't have anyone healthy and we just don't care to play anymore. And the USL said, no, you're playing this. Sorry. And at that point, it's like, why are you making Pittsburgh fly all the way back down to Miami for a midweek game to play 29 minutes and then have to go back... And play their final game of the season, just a couple days later. It like and and Miami was fully ready to accept a loss. They're like, we'll just we'll just take the loss. Just just don't make us play. But they did. And at, at that point, it's just like, come on, guys, don't make it more difficult.
1: Which is a lesson I think we can all take to heart.
0: Come on, yeah, guys, I mean, what's, this, what's to what's to stop Pittsburgh from just not showing up? Well, they were up one nothing, so if they didn't show
2: up, they would have actually not got they they would have forfeited. I mean,
1: if I if I played for Pittsburgh, I take the trip to Miami because maybe Miami <laughs> just doesn't show up for the match, but I get a trip to Miami out of it.
2: Yeah, but it's yeah. a midweek trip to play like thirty minutes.
1: Who's to say that it actually they actually play?
2: I mean, they did. At the end of it, they did. And then they had to go back and play Hartford, where it was a nil-nil draw, and everyone went home mad.
1: Oh. See? Yeah, that sucks.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And now they get to play the Birmingham Legion, who were one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They were just one point behind Louisville for the best team in the Eastern Conference. Actually, third best team, technically. Uh, Ant- because Tampa Ant- Bay Tampa Ant- Bay was actually the best team in the entire USL.
1: Hey, Aunt Pulis has got those guys playing well.
2: What? Huh? Ant Pulis is the assistant coach for Mi- Miami.
1: I mean, uh, James O'Connor's got those guys in Louisville playing pretty well.
2: James O'Connor is not the coach of Louisville City. <laughs> what year He's is the it? GM <laughs> it's 2021. James O'Connor is the GM of the uh, NWSL team in Louisville.
1: He's got them playing well in Louisville. <laughs> My point still stands.
2: <laughs> he's there physically, in spirit, to get them playing well. He's same just not or, doing anything on the coaching staff to do so. He's,
1: he's, he's there in the office every day. He,
2: he is there, and he is there in the organization. That is for sure. Well, anyways, on that note. I think we should just go ahead and end the show because okay. we've gone an hour yeah, and a, a thing- half.
1: I know a thing or two about USL. He's there. He's he's you know helping
2: out. He he has been there. He's been there and done that. In Anyways, it, yes, this is true, and he's still there. As we continue this uh this circle <laughs> around and around, and, and as Korg from Thor would say, it's it's more like a freaky circle. I think we should end the show here call it a day and uh,
0: nothing Nothing has any consequence
2: yes loki no consequences nothing matters well let's go ahead and end it for brad newton for gavin eubank i'm austin david thanks for tuning into another edition of the orlando soccer show we'll be back potentially to wrap up the entire 2021 season who knows what'll happen next week but We can't wait to talk about it, that's for sure. Oh, boy. So, yep. We'll see you later.
0: Bye-bye. You're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash.